The Lord be with you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, who was, and who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. Alleluia. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel once again on this Trinity Sunday morning. We greet those who are present with us here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue. We greet those who are listening live over the radio at 90.9 WBUR. And we greet those who are listening over internet signals at WBUR.org. We bear greetings from our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, as he is away this week uh, leading a travel seminar for the School of Theology to Montreal, and we pray for his safe return come next Sunday. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as the University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I am joined in leadership this morning by the Reverend Victoria Gaskell, the Reverend Holly Benzenhafer Redford, and Mr. Ken Redford, and of course, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett and the Marsh Chapel Choir. Let us stand as we are able in the praise of the triune God.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us your servant's grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Dearly beloved, on this Memorial Day weekend, we gather together in this nave and sit together and we remember. We remember those who are divided from us, divided by broken relationships, divided by great distance, divided by the pain of death. And as we make confession during the singing of the Kyrie, we pray that we may be remembered, brought together again into one fellowship and community with them. Let us pray. Dearly beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 and 22 through 31. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. 
when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying the verses from Psalm 8 with the Antiphon. Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes, to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field the birds of the air, and the fish of the seed, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And now let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patre and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. 
Glory to you, O Lord. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak with whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Remember with me, will you? If you are seated here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, you may want to find a comfortable posture, if such is possible in wooden pews. Fold your hands in your lap, let your eyelids drift downward just a bit. If, on the other hand, you are driving a motor vehicle on Interstate 90, I think it would be better for all concerned, and on Interstate 90 there will be many concerned if you just keep your hands on the steering wheel and your eyes open. Let us together, then, as a congregation called into fellowship on this Memorial Day weekend, remember. We remember one year ago on a sunny Memorial Day weekend, walking over to Boston Common and seeing a sea of American flags that had been painstakingly pounded into the soft earth. A bride and a groom were making final preparations for their nuptials. Nails were polished, shoes were shined, suits were pressed, dresses were shaken out, hair was done up, and yes, small vials of bubbles were unpacked and laid out in baskets for guests to retrieve and blow after the ceremony. On that sunny Sunday afternoon, the bride and her father made their way down the aisle, this aisle, in fact, and she joined hands with her betrothed. Declarations were made, readings were read, a sermon was preached, Bach was sung, vows were vowed, rings were exchanged, prayers were said, and the priest proclaimed, you are husband and wife. Yes, one year ago today, Holly and I got married right here in Marsh Chapel on the glorious Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. It has been a year of delight, of learning, and most of all, of loving. Happy anniversary, love. If only all of our memories of the past year could be such happy ones. For us here at Boston University, there has been far too much tragedy. We remember on a cool November evening when Cheng Wei Yang, known at the university as Victor, who had come to BU from Taiwan to study international relations, collided with a bus while riding his bicycle and was killed. His family arrived in Boston, and on a Saturday morning, again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, 
hundreds of students, family, friends, and members of the Taiwanese community in Boston joined to remember and pray. Again, readings were read, a sermon was preached, music was sung, prayers were said, memories were shared. And tears, oh, so many tears, were shed. Then, only a couple of weeks later, the phone rings. I'm driving down Commonwealth Avenue. There's a body in the road. It's not another one of ours, is it? Christopher Weigel, a graduate student in photojournalism in the College of Communications, collided with a tractor trailer just in front of the CVS across from Student Health Services. Again on a Sunday afternoon, students and family and friends gathered, this time in the nave of the First Congregational Church in Holliston, Massachusetts, in whose fellowship Christopher grew up. BU alumna and senior pastor of the church, Reverend Bonnie Steinroder, who pastors three generations of the Weigel family, led another service of readings and prayers and memory and music and tears. We made it through January and February unscathed, but then, on the first Saturday of March, in the wee hours of the morning, Anthony Barksdale died after attending an unregistered off-campus party. He was a freshman engineering major from Amherst, New Hampshire. Due to the cold and the rain, a vigil was held indoors in the George Sherman Union. Students gathered in the tower's dormitory to share memories. A memorial service was held in his high school. April 15th. Tax Day, Patriots Day, Marathon Monday. You remember, don't you? Just a little warmer than the runners may have wanted, but perfect for spectators who came out in droves to line the course, particularly the last few miles as the runners came down Beacon Street, through Kenmore Square, and zigged and zagged over to Boylston to the finish line. Some of us gathered in the deanery, that is, the residence of the dean, for a brunch of eggs and fruit and Dunkin' Donuts. Dean Hill recited Longfellow and the Gettysburg Address, as he is wont to do from time to time. Out we processed to Kenmore Square to watch the elite runners come through, thinking that we were only taking our life in our hands by boarding the rickety elevator down to the ground from number 10. How little did we know? Holly and I walked from Kenmore Square back home, and I lay down to take a nap. Now, I don't know about you, but I detest being rudely awoken from a sound sleep. So it was that when Holly shook my shoulder and announced, there are bombs at the marathon, all I could think was, that's ridiculous. Bombs don't belong at marathons. I looked at my phone, missed calls, missed texts, missed emails. We called our parents. I have to get to the chapel, I announced. How? 
Good question. How do you get from Beacon Hill to Boston University without going anywhere near Copley Square? Thank God for Hubway. I grabbed a bike, carried it over to the Esplanade, and rode hard. You know, when you stop a race before it is completed and throw the runners off the course, it gets a bit confusing. Runners came over to Commonwealth Avenue from Beacon Street, many of them hoping to catch the tea, only to find that the tea was shut down. What did they find? A church, Marsh Chapel. In they came, and hospitality we provided. Water, food, blankets, phones, rides, directions, counsel, prayer, patience. We planned a vigil for that evening. News broke that there was an explosion at the JFK library. We canceled the vigil. The vigil finally happened the following evening, and hundreds gathered on Marsh Plaza in front of the chapel for readings and prayers and words of comfort and strength in times of trouble. Another evening, hence, we gathered here in the nave for readings, prayers, sermons, song, hymns, and Eucharist as we continued the search for healing. Is there a student at Boston University named Lu Lingzi? Dean Hill asked. I typed her name into the computer. Yes? Oh. Lingza was no longer missing. She was at the morgue. One of the three killed by the bombings. The media frenzy was intense as the news broke. Over 400 students, most of them Chinese, gathered in the Burke Room at Aganis Arena to share memories and process together. Her parents arrived from China and were greeted at the airport by the ambassador from China and a delegation from Boston University. 1,400 people, including many dignitaries, gathered in the George Sherman Union for Lingzi's memorial service. 4,000 watched a live stream over the internet. $560,000 was gathered in the course of a morning by the trustees of Boston University to begin a scholarship fund in her memory. Her father gave a poignant and moving eulogy. Her mother was inconsolable. More readings, more prayers, more music, more memories, more tears. The phone rang. Brother Larry, I know it's Sunday morning and you have services, but there has been a fire, and a student has died, and several are at the hospital. Can you go to the hospital? More death, more trauma. Binland Lee was a senior in the marine science program at the College of Arts and Sciences. This time, students traveled down to Brooklyn, New York, for a Chinese Buddhist wake and memorial service in an Italian Catholic funeral home. More readings, more prayers, more music, more memories, more tears. Remembering a wedding is wonderful. The heart soars as the feelings of love and joy and belonging together, so intensely felt on that day, return to the forefront of the mind's eye. 
Remembering death and violence and vigils and funerals is hard. It is painful. It is rubbing salt in a wound of the spirit. Each one of those American flags pounded into the common might as well have been pounded into the flesh of those who loved the one whom the flag represents. Remembering a dead loved one is painful precisely because we know that the person cannot be remembered. It is not possible that grandma or grandpa or mom or dad or brother or sister or, God have mercy, son or daughter should be remembered, brought into membership again in the family. It is not possible that friend or neighbor or colleague or teammate or pew fellow should be remembered, brought back into the fellowship of the community. Our grief and our pain as we remember those we have loved who have died arises from the helplessness we feel and the loss of control we experience when we recognize that there is nothing we can do to remember them. There are bombing victims in Boston who are struggling to remember themselves right now. Some lost arms and legs in the blasts of the bombs, and they grieve the loss of their limbs as they remember what life was like before. Thankfully, many of those who lost limbs will be able to remember not their own arms and hands, or legs and feet, but prosthetic limbs that will empower them to reclaim at least a portion of the life they had before. Nevertheless, the sense of helplessness and the terror of being out of control without the ability to walk or the ability to pick up a fork is something that will haunt many for the rest of their lives. So, too, there are those who lined Boylston Street on April 15th, and especially many who worked in the medical tents, and many of us who perhaps were not there, and yet somehow feel that this happened to us. We, too, struggle to remember. We remember what we heard, explosions, screams, cries. We remember what we saw, fire, broken glass, blood, we remember the smell of smoke, the taste of bile, the touch of those jostling to get to the wounded or away from the area. Holding together the pieces of the mind is a struggle to remember in a spirit of hope what we remember of a time of terror. Why do we remember? Why bother to become involved in the work of memory with its attendant pain and grief? Why not just forget? We remember because we have hope that we ourselves will be remembered, 
Today is Trinity Sunday, and in the life of Christianity, this is the day we remember that God in God's self is a community of members. One of those members became incarnate in Jesus Christ and was thus, for a time, dismembered from God. Today, on Memorial Day weekend and Trinity Sunday, readings and prayers and sermon and song teach us that God knows the pain of dismemberment as God experienced the pain of the Passion. And yet, God also knows the healing and joy of remembering in the glory of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit of God testifies today that it is not the passion of Christ that defines the person of Christ, but the person that defines the passion. It is not suffering that bears meaning, but a sense of meaning that bears up under suffering. It is not the cross that carries the love, but the love that carries the cross. It is not crucifixion that encompasses salvation, but salvation that encompasses even the tragedy of crucifixion. In the life of faith, the work of memory is part and parcel of the work God does in us, in the example of Christ and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that we may withstand what we cannot understand. So far, so good, but we cannot stop there. The testimony of the Church on Trinity Sunday is that the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the healing of God and the redemption of God that remembers us into relationship and partnership and family and community and society and world belongs not to us, but to God, who extends the partnership of the gospel to the ends of the earth to all peoples and all times and all places, and not only to people, but to all of creation. It is out of this belief that Howard Thurman said, people, all people, belong to one another, and those who shut themselves away diminish themselves, and those who shut another away destroy themselves. Just this week, Pope Francis said in a weekday mass sermon that, the Lord created us in his image and likeness, and we are the image of the Lord. And he does good, and all of us have this commandment at heart. Do good, and do not do evil. All of us. But Father, this one is not Catholic. He cannot do good. Yes, he can. The Lord has redeemed all of us, all of us, with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just Catholics, everyone. Father, the atheists? Even the atheists. Everyone. We must meet one another doing good. But I don't believe, Father, I am an atheist. But do good. We will meet one another there. You see, by caring, helping, giving, we may true disciples be. The hard work of remembering prevents us from shutting ourselves off and from shutting others away, that we may all be remembered together. It is in the work of remembering that the Spirit draws us in her tether, that we might touch the garment hem of God and be healed 
and remembered. It would probably be wise for me to stop there. But the wisdom of faith is foolishness to the wise, and on Trinity Sunday, when I remember my ordination to the priesthood four years ago, we are reminded that we are called to be fools for Christ. For you see, as we believe with Howard Thurman that all people belong to one another, and if we believe with Pope Francis that God has redeemed all of us, then it cannot be the case that we are remembered, returned to fellowship, having left anyone or anything behind. We cannot be remembered without being remembered with the driver of the bus that collided with Victor. We cannot be remembered without being remembered with the driver of the tractor trailer that killed Christopher. We cannot be remembered without being remembered with the students who threw the party that Anthony attended. We cannot be remembered without being remembered with those responsible for the conditions that led to the fire that killed Binland. And dear friends in Boston, we cannot be remembered as a city and as a community and as a society until we are remembered with Tamerlan and Zokar Tsarnev. All people belong to one another, not merely the ones we love or who love us. It was a sinful, sinful thing to attempt to deny Tamerlan the small dignity of burial, and we must all repent. For until we can confess that we belong to Tamerlan and Zokar and they to us, we cannot be remembered, and our search for healing continues. Lings's parents buried her here in Boston. They did so because they believe that her spirit will help bring peace to our community. She will certainly abide here in our memory, and in remembering all of those we have lost, may we be remembered, returned to fellowship with one another, with all people, with all creation, and ultimately with God whose rememberment we celebrate on this Trinity Sunday. Amen.
please be seated. We come now to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds in prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by remaining seated, by standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Continuing within this spirit of prayer, I will offer each intention ending with the words, Holy One, attend our heart's calling. Please respond, hear our prayer. For the earth that nurtures and sustains us, that breathes into us through her greening nature, that expresses a wondrous diversity of life and quenches thirst and nourishes growth, and that holds humanity within the intimate rhythms of both her suffering and her beauty. Holy One, attend our heart's calling. Hear our prayer. For the earth that in her growing and shifting raises the storm, the tornado, the tsunami, the earthquake, the volcano and flood, the killing frost, the wildfire, the drought, the infestation, the plague, bringing devastation and pain in the changing, and for the lives lost and utterly altered, especially today our sisters and brothers in Moore, Oklahoma, for the memories marred by disaster, and for the actions of human pain, felt and inflicted, and for the slow healing within place and time Holy One, attend our heart's calling. Hear our prayer. For the delight and challenge of transition, jobs lost or let go or accepted, 
school years ending into summers of possibility and uncertainty, relationships growing deeper and richer and ones that are faltering or dissolving, answers that bring resolution and joy and information that bears anxiety and fear, new life being birthed and life that is nearing its end. And for our sisters and brothers who respond to life's transitions, protecting, rescuing, defending, healing. Holy One, attend our heart's calling. Hear our prayer. And for the constancy of daily living, the familiar routines and routes traveled each week, co-workers and colleagues, the strangers passed en route, the people we serve and who serve us, the hidden work that makes home and job and leisure happen, for the responsibilities and obligations upon our shoulders, the stresses we carry in our bodies, the concerns we bear on our souls, and the habits, both beneficial and detrimental, that form and inform who and how we are and impact how we perceive and engage our communities and our world and you. Holy One, attend our heart's calling. Hear our prayer. For these and the prayers we hold now in the silence, Holy One, attend our heart's calling. Hear our prayer. And as Jesus taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you will participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We do note that in the summer months, as uh, students are away, Marsh Chapel continues to be here every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for services, and we hope that you will join us as you are able. We hope also that you will uh, make a rush following the service to book your tickets for the choir's upcoming engagement at the Garden, where they will be uh, on June 12th and 14th singing back up for the Rolling Stones. For those of you looking at your calendars wondering if this is April Fool's Day, it is indeed not. We are entirely serious. Our congratulations to Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett and the Marsh Chapel Choir. As the ushers wait among us for the morning offering, we hope that you will meditate upon Heinrich Schutz's setting of John 3, 14 through 15, Sikut Moses. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
you who are one, you who are three, one God in holy community. As individuals and as a community, we bring these, our gifts of money, out of your provision back to you, symbol of our time, our life energy, our resources, and our devotion. Bless and multiply these gifts, we pray, that we who give them and we who receive them may be nourished and strengthened in the life of faith to continue your work of love and justice in the world. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Dearly beloved, on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember that life is short, and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who walk the way with us. So be swift to love, and make haste to be kind. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, abide and remain with you, now and forevermore. Amen.